0: You're listening to audio from Highland Baptist Church in Waco, Texas. To find out more about Highland, go to www.hbcwaco.org. We're in Holy Week, of course, and we're in a series called He's the King as we're understanding once more, hopefully in some fresh ways of of who Jesus is as King. Today is Palm Sunday and billions of people, I know that preachers are prone to hyperbole, but in fact, billions of people today are remembering Palm Sunday, when when Jesus as King entered into Jerusalem. And so we join in with the celebration of billions of brothers and sisters around the world remembering this incredible occasion that we see in scripture. Uh, Many of you probably came to worship today, remembering that today is Palm Sunday. Maybe you came with that story in your mind today. It's a very familiar story. It's very familiar material, and consequently, it kind of presents, if you will, two, two difficulties today. The first difficulty would be this: it is that familiarity of of the story. If you grew up in church, even been around church, you probably know the story of, of Palm Sunday. So often we come to church knowing that we're going to hear a familiar story. So we come with like this absence of investigation, or this absence of expectation for transformation that that God can actually do something with a story that's so known. And so i would say to all of us today, we need to kind of guard our hearts against that today, of that notion of, well, I know this story. I mean, I know this stuff already. There's nothing really new in here for me. I guess difficulty number two would be on my side of things, this, this temptation I have today to try to be uber creative with this passage or try to kind of point something out that you've never seen before. It's very tempting to have some creative flair some exaggeration in this passage just for effect today, the the kind of thing I'm referring to is the preacher. He'll say, we're going to deal with Palm Sunday today from the perspective of the donkey. And then he like proceeds to try to get inside of the mind of the donkey, which honestly isn't that difficult for most preachers. And so probably me included. So so what if we came to the story today instead with a fresh mind and and a fresh heart and no biases at all? What if we came today and let the Scripture, led by the Spirit, explain Scripture to us? Explain this story to us. So if you're a copy of God's Word, would you turn with me, please, to Matthew chapter 21. Matthew chapter 21. Relatively new to church, it's a really easy book to find. It's the very beginning of the New Testament. So you go through the entire Old Testament, and you have Matthew, the first gospel writer, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Every gospel writer, by the way, records this story. That's not the case with the vast majority of familiar stories, or stories of which we we, we often know or often quote. So every gospel writer speaks of of this entry of Jesus into. Jerusalem. So let me just kind of tell you a little bit. that This Matthew 21 begins the last week in the life of Jesus. So over the period of the next eight days, beginning right here, Jesus will enter into Jerusalem. He'll cleanse the temple. He'll institute the Lord's Supper. He'll be arrested. He'll be tried. He'll be crucified. He will die, and he'll be raised from the dead. So this is the week, Highland, this is the week that all creation has been longing for. All creation has been waiting for this week. And these events were planned before even the foundation of the world. So they're not just climactic in the life of of Jesus. This is the climactic week of of all of history. Jesus is going to enter into Jerusalem, proclaim himself as king. And the point is going to be unmistakable and inescapable. This is the week that he's going to crush the head of the serpent. And Matthew 21 is so clear. Jesus will assert himself as the Messiah, as the one who is promised, as the king. The king promised to come to, to save people from their sins, come from Jesus to save people from their sins. I want to show you this morning this king. I want you to see that not only is he the king of the Jews, he is the king of all the nations. He's the king of our hearts. So I want to call all of us today to submit our lives our everything to this King, to the rule and to the reign of King Jesus. I want to call you to to abandon yourself to this King, to surrender everything, to surrender your life, to love this King with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. I want to show you this breathtaking, awe-inspiring picture of King Jesus. Matthew chapter 21, let's begin in verse 1. Now when they, the the disciples, the followers of Jesus, as they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethpage, to the Mount of Olives, Jesus then sent two disciples saying to the disciples, the the two disciples, go into the village in front of you and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me and if anyone says anything to you, you shall say the Lord needs them. And he will, the owner of the donkey, will send them at once. This took place to fulfill what had been spoken by the prophet, saying, Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. The disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. They they brought the donkey and the colt and put on them their cloaks, And he, Jesus, sat on them. And most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. And the crowds that went before him and that followed him were all shouting, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he, Jesus, entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up, saying, who is this? And the crowd said, this is the prophet Jesus. They were close. This is the prophet Jesus. From Nazareth of Galilee and then Jesus entered the temple and drove out all who sold and bought in the temple And he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold pigeons and he said to them it is written my house shall be called a house of prayer but you make it a den of robbers and the blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he healed them but when the chief priest And the scribes saw the wonderful things that Jesus did and, this probably irked them the most, and the children crying out in the temple, Hosanna to the son of David. They were indignant. And they said to him, do you hear what these are saying? And Jesus said to them, yes. Have you ever read out of the mouths of infants and nursing babies you have prepared praise? And leaving them, he went out of the city to Bethany and lodged there, don't close your Bibles. I want you to see five angles of this king in this passage this morning. Here's the first thing, he's the God king. He is the God hyphen king. Look at verse two and verse three inside this passage again. Matthew chapter 21, look at verse two and three. I want you to see something here, perhaps you saw it. Saying to them, Jesus saying to them, the two disciples, Go into the village in front of you and immediately you will find a donkey, a donkey tied or a donkey tied and a colt with her and untie them and bring them to me. And if anyone says anything to you, you shall say, the Lord needs them. Not the teacher, not the rabbi, not, not the leader. The Lord needs them. This is the first time in Matthew that Jesus identifies himself as the Lord. It's the first time in Matthew that he says, oh, I'm I'm God, I'm Adonai, I am Yahweh, I am Jehovah. He has called himself up to this point, 30 times actually, the son of man, a very humbling phrase. Oh, I just came from, from man. Identify me with mankind. But here he says, I am the Lord. Here he says in the very end of, of this, this book of Matthew, here in Matthew 21, he says, I am, by the way, I am God. Just just tell them that, that God said so. Now, verses six and seven prove that he is the Lord. So Matthew 21, verses six and seven. The disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. And sure enough, they brought the donkey and the colt and put on them their cloaks and he set. On them. So just understand that his lordship title is proven when the disciples went into the city and did find immediately a donkey and a colt. So Christ, who is the center of the universe, who is the creator of all things, the Lord of creation, he subdues creation. It is not difficulty, it's not difficult at all for him to know, no difficulty at all for him to know there was an available donkey and an available colt ready for him. To sit upon to take him into his destiny there in Jerusalem. Now, just catch this. This is an available donkey and an available colt the week of Passover. When the city of Jerusalem swelled from 50,000 people to 250,000 people, and Jesus, who is the Lord, told his disciples, Oh, go into the city immediately, you'll see two available a donkey and and a colt. Mark actually tells us in his rendering of of this story, his writing of this story, it was an unridden donkey, unbroken donkey. For you city folks, that means nothing at all. For those who live in the country, you know what that means. Like you don't don't just jump onto a donkey that's never been broken before, that's never been ridden before, but I guess if the winds and the waves obey Jesus, he should have no problem at all with a stubborn donkey. He is the God King. This is the first time Jesus would call himself the Lord, the king. Up to this point, son of man, but now this title that was reserved for God, Jesus is now claiming that title. Oh, I'm God. I am Adonai. I am the Lord. Not only is he the God king, secondly, I want to see in this passage, he's he's the promised king. We're gonna kinda go back over some familiar territory, go back to verse, verse four again. So chapter 21, verse four, this meaning Jesus asking for his disciples to bring to him a donkey, a a colt. This took place, verse 4, to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet when the prophet said, say to the daughter of Zion, behold, here it is, your king is coming to you. He is humble and he's mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a beast of, of burden." we see this passage here as a reminder. Matthew is gonna, is gonna remind us that all of this was, was prophesied, that Jesus was gonna ride into Jerusalem on a donkey, on a colt. Uh, would you mind, you're in Matthew 21, would you mind going back just two books to the left? It's about 12 pages in my Bible, maybe the same for you, and go to Zechariah, because that is who Matthew is, is quoting. So to the left of Matthew, you have Malachi actually to the left of Matthew you have 400 years of silence then you have Malachi then you have Zechariah go to Zechariah 9.9 with me this is what Matthew is quoting although Matthew did not quote all of verse 9 Zechariah 9.9 rejoice greatly O daughter of Zion meaning the people of of Zion, of Mount Zion, where, where Jerusalem is. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. In other words, um, Zechariah is saying, those who, who live there in Israel, those who live in Mount Zion, those who live in, in Jerusalem, you need to be really happy. You need to rejoice greatly. You need to shout aloud, because, because behold, look, your king is coming to you. He is righteous, and he is having salvation, and having salvation is he, ESV says, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Be very happy. Shout, your king is coming to you. I love this. This is 500 years before Jesus even came. 500 years before Jesus even came, God already promises that a donkey and a colt will be available on the week of of Passover for Jesus to ride upon into Jerusalem. You don't write a script like this unless you're God. 500 years previously, God had already uh, ordained a donkey and a colt to be ready immediately inside of Jerusalem that Jesus might ride upon that donkey. Look at verse 9. Go back to Matthew 21. I'm sorry, 12 pages back to the right. Skip about 500 years and go 12 pages to the right. Matthew chapter 21, verse verse 9. We've read this already and the crowds that went before him, before Jesus, and the crowds that followed him. So make sure you get that picture. There are people before Jesus anticipating him, and there are people following Jesus behind him. Uh, They they went before him, followed him. They were shouting out this word, Hosanna to the son of David. Let's stop right there in the middle of of verse nine. This promise had been made, even in the days of, of King David, certainly all throughout the Old Testament, that a Messiah would come, and that, that messiah would come from the lineage of of david from king david this this eternal king would come this promised one would come and would come from david's throne therefore the people who were before jesus and coming after jesus they were declaring this blessed is this one who is coming in the name of the lord blessed is this one he is the son of david and of course you know that jesus is separated by 28 generations between Himself and King David, but he is of, Jesus is of the line of David. He is this this promised king. So not only is he the God king, he was also, he still is the promised king. Thirdly, I want you to see this in the passage. He's the saving king. We saw Zechariah reference this, that he's righteous, that salvation, he has salvation. He's the saving king. Look at Matthew 21, uh, verse 9 with me. Pick up the rest of verse 9 of the crowds that went before him and that followed him. They were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David, because he's promised. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Now, just jump down to verse 15 of that same chapter, Matthew 21, verse 15. You'll see some of the same words, but, but given by different people. Verse 15. But when the chief priests and scribes saw the wonderful things that Jesus did and the children crying out there in the temple. Look what they were crying out. Hosanna, very familiar statement. Hosanna to the son of David. They, the chief priest and the scribes, they were indignant. They cried out Hosanna. Uh, What does Hosanna mean? What does that word mean? It's it's two words, two Hebrew words that are pressed together. Uh, First you have the Hebrew word uh, uh, yesha, which means to deliver to save, to bring salvation, then you have the word "ana," which means please. And actually it's a little bit more than please, it's, it's, it's a begging. It's a pleading. And so, yasha Anna, please now, We beg of you to save us, to deliver us, to to bring about salvation. And so those who are before Jesus, those who are following after Jesus, and even the kids in the temple, they are pleading for rescue. They They are pleading for rescue from the enemy, from the enemy's grip, from the enemy's carnage. And what is Jesus doing as he rides into Jerusalem on that donkey? Here's what he's doing. He's surveying the battlefield. He is surveying the battlefield on which he will suffer and die so that these people and you and I could be delivered from the grip of the enemy and the grip of sin's penalty. So as Jesus sits on the donkey in this position of humility, which by the way is this paradoxical pomp of the king of the universe, right? Who who made the donkey and, and created the heavens and fashioned the very DNA of everyone who was cheering him on that day. He makes his way across Jerusalem, surveying the battlefield that is before him. He is looking across the battle of all time. He is looking across the battle scene of all the ages. He's about to wage war for men and women at Highland. He's about to wage war for our souls, for our rescue, our deliverance. He's about to wage war for for us and our eternal destiny so that you and I might live in the fulfillment of the prayer that was cried out 2,000 years ago, Hosanna, oh God, please save us. So he's the God King. He's the promised King. He's the the saving King. But I want you to see this. I don't want you to miss this. He's, He's also the humble King, which sounds like in direct antithesis to the fact that he's God King and that he's a saving king, but he's also a a humble king. Look at verse five again. I know this is the third time for us to read it. Straight from the prophet Zechariah, 500 years before, Matthew reaches back, writes this down, say to the daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming to you. Look at this next word, humble. He's mounted on a donkey, on on, on a colt, on the foal of a beast of burden. The fact that he is the humble king, but also the God king, makes Jesus such an enigma. Jesus is, we see here, this, this gentle king. He's not gonna come with arrogance. He's not gonna come and, and be pushy. He's gonna come humbly to us. He's gonna come gently. He's gonna come in meekness. I mean, we don't understand today the concept of a meek ruler or a humble president or a humble king. At most kings' coronations, the king would be honored with great fear of the people he would be dressed in this real ornamental regal outfit this regal attire and surrounded by by splendor and 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 pageantry certainly if he were to ride in on any kind of of animal it would be a horse a regal war horse but not this king he's surrounded by lowly galileans he is surrounded by lowly people from from jerusalem just common folk coming into the city He comes in the city, not with with riches, but in poverty. He comes in the city, not not in majesty, but in this this meekness. He's humble. He's mounted on a donkey. And I just kind of bring this up to, to let you know today, yes, he is the God King. Like he is above all things, but I also want to remind you, he's the humble king, which means he also walks with us. He associates himself with us. He will live with us. He's the humble king. Here's the fifth thing I want you to see. And last thing, he's the holy king. This is probably a part of the story that, that most of us know, know the most because even those outside of the church or outside of any kind of a church family, we have heard this next story before. We, we allude to this next story. There's expressions in our vernacular today that come straight from this next little section. So he's the holy king. Let's pick it up here in verse 12, 13, 13. And 14, Matthew 21, 12. And Jesus entered the temple and drove out all who sold and all who bought in the temple. And he overturned the, table, uh, the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold the pigeons. And he said to them, It is written, My house shall be. It's, this, this is not maybe, this is emphatic. My house shall be called a house of prayer, but you make it a den of robbers. And the blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he healed them. In pulpits all across America today, there'll be some little sermonettes about this story, maybe a little sermonette from Matthew chapter 21, and there'll be people that speak about how, how Jesus is so cozy and so peaceful and so loving, which of course he is. Well, I wouldn't say he's cozy, but he's definitely loving and he's, he's filled with peace and he gives peace. Don't miss this, he's also the Christ within a few hours of his arrival into Jerusalem, enters into the temple and he clears the place out. He walks into this scene where where everyone is in the court of the Gentiles or, or the outer court of the temple, and they're supposed to be there as the nations. Worshiping God they're supposed to be there as the nation's praying to God They're supposed to gather as as all the nations will meet together and and worship the Lord instead Jesus walks in and there's a commercial business going on It's filled with scores of people who are selling sacrifices exchanging money profiting off one another even taking advantage of one another all while ignoring the holiness of God So Jesus in this righteous anger drives them all out, overturns their tables and their seats, and he says to them, let me make sure we all understand what he said that this house is supposed to be about. He says, my house, it shall be called a house of prayer, which is straight from Isaiah chapter 56. So Jesus is going back to the Old Testament. In Isaiah 56, the same thing is said, that God promised to make his temple a house of prayer for all of the nations. By the way, a little preacher timeout. Those who love this image of Jesus, or we think it gives us permission to be angry, or irate, or violent, or gives us permission to, quote, flip tables, if you do that, you also need to heal people. And you also need to make sure that the babies around you are singing out your praise. But what you really need to do is make sure you're pointing people to prayer. So let's not take this little image of of Jesus in this, these one or two verses and say, that's right, I, I'm, I'm gonna be violent. I'm gonna be irate. I'm gonna be outraged. That's not the point of, of this story. In fact, Jesus is about to tell us the, the point of the story. He says, you have made it a den of robbers. There, Jesus is going back and quoting from Jeremiah chapter seven. And actually this entire portion of the story is a completion of Malachi chapter three prophecy where God says, I will raise up somebody. He will be like a refiner's fire, like a fuller's soap. And he's gonna go into the temple and he's gonna clean it out. He's going to purify it. You see, these religious people were offering worship, yet they did not walk with God. Let me just say that again for 21st century Christians. They were gathering around God's people, offering their worship, but they did not walk with God. So Jesus, this holy king, came to cleanse and to purify and to overturn this hideout of posers and restored it to a house of prayer. Here's the point, Jesus is the holy king who does not deal with sin lightly. You see, we can't have a Christ of our own concoction. We can't just design Jesus ourselves with our own selective discovery. This same kind, gentle, humble king who rides into Jerusalem is the same one who dismounts from that donkey, goes to the temple and says, get out. And of course, you can only imagine at that time, people are thinking, who does he think he is? We liked him so much more when he was on a donkey. We don't like him now. And people around Waco say so often, I like to think of Jesus in this way. Or the kind of Jesus I believe in is this kind of Jesus. Here's where I want to land today. My friends, the only Jesus we should faithfully follow is the king who presented himself to us in scripture. And he's kind, but he's also God. He's meek, but he's also the one that takes sin very seriously. I'm just saying to his son, let's follow that Jesus. Let's worship that Jesus. Let, let's give our lives to that Jesus, to the real one the one who presented himself to us here in Matthew chapter 21 as the king. Would you stand with me, please? Let's pray together. God, thank you for your word to us today from a passage that's so familiar. And yet, God, it's impossible to come to this passage and dismiss you it's impossible to come to this passage and dismiss the kingship of Jesus. Gentle, kind, humble, yes. But also the one our hearts have long, is longing for. The promised one who was, was prophesied about all throughout the Old Testament. He has come, he is here, he is saving. He is the Lord. And this king has every right to demand everything from us. So today we simply lay our very lives before this king. We should faithfully follow this one. In the name of King Jesus, we pray to the Father together. Amen. So I would invite us this morning to really live out the words of Jesus, to make this house a house of prayer. And so as we sing this song, you can just use the words of the song to to pray to the Lord. We've said it very often, really that's what worship music is, it's just prayer set to melody. But if you wanna come and take advantage of the altars here at the front, to my left, my right, right in front of me, just come and kneel and pray, That's an invitation, it's an opportunity for you to kneel before this king, that this house may be a house of prayer. Or if you wanna pray with somebody, we have some of our staff up here at the front, they'd love to pray with you, to pray for you, to to engage with you, to see how they can support you in prayer, how they can celebrate God's faithfulness towards you. If it's too much to slip out of the, the row in which you find yourself this morning, you're welcome just to turn around and get on your knees on this floor. This is our King. Just don't dismiss him today. My house, he said, shall be called a house of prayer. Let's sing. Won't you please come?